0: Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. He shall have the light of life. John goes on in the uh, first chapter of John to say that Jesus was the light that gave life to everyone that comes into the world. The thing that characterizes Jesus above every other quality and attribute is life. Jesus is life. He is full of life. When you fellowship with Him, that life enters into you. When you open your heart to receive Him as Savior, when you repent of your sins and turn to Him with an honest, true heart, life comes in. Everything that was dead in you begins to be terminated, because Jesus is the life that killed death. Hallelujah. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says His life is the light of men. In chapter 6 and 33, it says that He gives life to the world. Later on in verse 35 of chapter 6, it says He is the bread of life. Also in chapter 6, verse 40, it says, whoever receives him receives everlasting life. And it goes on to say, his words are the words of life. John 10, 10 says, his life is more abundant. And John 12, 50 says, his commandments are life everlasting. Everything Jesus does produces life. He is life and there is no death or darkness in him. In 2 Timothy, or excuse me, in um, Acts 3 and 15, the Bible calls him the prince of life. And Paul refers to him in 2 Timothy as God who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Philippians 4, 3 says, his followers have been entered in to the book of life. You and I, If Jesus is Lord of our life, we are recorded in something that's called the book of life, which means that everyone's name that is in that book has eternal life. How's that? Is that working? And uh, no? Diane, you getting it? Now, hold on, let me see if what happened to this. Oh. So, um, Glenn, don't put me two batteries in this one. You know what, hold on. I'm the tech guy around here, so. <laughs> find out. will play, so somebody sing. Lord, to God, I'm not sure. and here we are. So the guy does his own tech work. <laughs> no, so Glenn, I do. All right. And. Uh, well, give us the scripture references the magic of editing. <laughs> the magic of editing. Okay, so uh, let me put this up. And glory to God. In John 8 and 12, we're talking about Jesus. And he has recorded us in the book of life because life, eternal life, resides in in you and I. Listen, Jesus rose from the dead because there is no death in him. No shortage, no limitation, no expiration. Everything about Jesus is alive with a life that cannot die. His love, his grace, his power, mercy, and his healing are alive, and they cannot be put to death. Praise the Lord. Jesus test drove that life through Calvary, through the grave, and everything that he raised up from the grave with, he gave to you and I. And he said, here is life. All this stuff is alive. None of it can be defeated by death. When he came out of the grave, he came out incapable of dying. Praise the Lord. So Jesus carried his life through the cross, through the grave, And after that life raised Jesus from the dead, he turned it over to you and I, and in John 14, 19, he said, because I live, you shall live also. The next time you are tempted to succumb to the symptoms of death in this world and all that sin has produced, remember, if Jesus is Lord of your life, there is a life in you that is alive with Jesus Christ. Glory to God. He lives in you and I. He, and he said, because, that's this is the qualifier, because I live, Jesus said, you shall live also. Amen. So the thing that I always like to remember about Jesus is that he is many things to me, but he is the life giver. Amen. He is the life giver. In uh, Romans chapter 5, it says, <clears throat> If by the transgression of one man, Adam, death reigned, how much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. How much more by receiving Jesus will you and I, the Bible says, not just live, but the scripture says we will reign in life. What does reigning look like to you and I? If your house is a castle and you are reigning over that castle, you get to pull whatever you want out of the refrigerator and eat it whenever you want to eat it because you're reigning in that house. You want to take a nap? That bed is yours. You go take a nap, king, queen. You reign in that house. Hallelujah. So when Jesus, uh, whatever he took to Calvary's cross, you can reign over it. If Jesus took it to the cross, you can reign over it because he defeated it at the cross, left it there, rose from the dead, deathless, handed you a life, saying, through the abundance of my grace, you can reign in life. So you can reign over whatever Jesus took to the cross, whether it's sin, whether it is dysfunction, hopelessness, guilt, whatever it is, there is a life inside of you that can lift you up above it. Praise the Lord. So Jesus is the life that killed death. We are, the Bible says in Hebrews, we are afraid of death. We fear death. And we don't only fear the coming event of eventual death, but whenever someone sneezes in public on us, we fear death. Whenever someone extends their hand to shake our hand, we fear death. We are scared to death of germs, colds. We're afraid of words. We are afraid of plans that people have. We're afraid of being left out. We're afraid of being added to lists. We fear in this life just about everything that the devil wants us to be subject to. He makes us subject to these things by getting us to be afraid of them. And you say, well, I'm a Christian, I fear nothing. Well, the Pharisees tried that on Jesus. And they said, when Jesus said, you're the servants of sin, if you sin, you're the servants of sin. And they said, why, we're not slaves to anybody. We are free. We are the children of Abraham. They tried that on Jesus. It didn't work on him either. He says, no, you are the slaves of sin. And so we could say that we are born again, but the fact is, if we... Actually, believe the things that we fear, then we are subject to those things. And then you get to use the world's remedies to try to protect yourself from them. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes the little cheesy things that the world works out to get us past certain things that we're afraid of and have anxiety about, sometimes they're successful, other times they're not. You're tossing the dice, it's a gamble. But with Jesus, it's not a gamble. With Jesus, the Bible says that he conquered death, sin, hell, and the grave, rose from the dead with a life incorruptible, a life that conquered death, and said, you, because I live, can live, and not only live, but reign in life. I'm trying to draw a picture in your mind. I I believe that Christians need to get back to the raw gospel, the gospel of life that Jesus handed to the early church. They walked in triumph, walked in victory. They saw the supernatural manifestation of God because they believed that Jesus was alive, and they believed that because he lived, his life was in them. And that's why Peter's shadow was healing people on the sidewalks. That's why when uh, Philip was going down to Samaria to preach the gospel, signs and wonders and healing were following. This is why the Spirit of God was able to break through the barriers of of unbelief and um, uh, cynicism in the Roman Empire of their day, and hundreds and thousands were turning to Jesus because they walked in the power of life among people who were subject to death. And, you know, Christians, we need to get off the fence and make up our mind. We, we, we carry a book, we call it the book of life. We preach a gospel, we call it the gospel of life. We worship a Savior, we say He is the King of life. But then we go through our lives afraid of everything that Jesus said He delivered us from. Now, I'm not saying that it's easy to walk in life like Jesus walked in life. But it is possible because he said, because I live, you shall, not might, but you shall live also. Let me share with you how the Apostle Paul presents this to you and I. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says this. He shows a clear dividing, a clear distinction. This should be the sword that divides how you think in your mind, how you feel in your heart, and how you act in your life. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Let's stop for a moment. When Jesus died, obviously, death did not take Him. He rose from the dead. But laid on the Lamb of God was the curse of the law. And all of the symptoms of sin that that curse represented, they were laid on Jesus. He carried them at Calvary. When Jesus was crucified, those things were crucified. Sin was crucified. The symptoms of sin in this life and everything that men are afraid of, Jesus put to death when he died. And the Bible says, perfect love cast out fear. No reason to die or to be afraid. Praise the Lord. So Paul opens up with those simple five words, I am crucified with Christ. So he lays that squarely, draws that line. He says, everything that I used to be afraid of in this world, I no longer allow to fear, to, to rule my life because I died with Christ. When Christ died, those things, he put those things to rest. Then he goes on, nevertheless, here's the piss Here's the pivotal statement. Nevertheless, I live. Hallelujah. I'm crucified, but I've survived it. Jesus was crucified. He survived it. I consider myself crucified, but I survive it. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, because that old me died, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live. I want you to say that with me. The life which I now live. Paul said, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christian, let me say to you, the life you now live isn't the one you were born with. The life you now live is a new life. The life you were born with was crucified and ended when you received Jesus Christ. There was that sword that divided. You had an end and you had a, what, born again? You had a rebirth. We either believe this. I'm going to challenge you this morning. We either believe this or we don't believe it. Maybe we believe it, but we're not practicing it. I want to encourage you this morning to make a commitment to practice what it is that I believe you believe, and that you and I believe. If I'm crucified with Christ, there is a life that I used to live, it's gone. There is a life that I now live, and that life is what came out of the grave. There was no sickness, no disease. When Jesus rose from the dead, he couldn't get COVID. COVID died. COVID died. Jesus didn't die. When Jesus gathered with the disciples, they had a super spreader event called the Day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost fell and everybody caught what? Life. And whatever life does, they received that life. So Paul said, look, I was dead, now I'm alive. And the life I now live, praise God, is not the one I was born with. It's that old life was infected and infested with dysfunction and guilt and sin. But the life that I now live, that life killed death, killed dysfunction, killed sin, killed disease. And though I live in this flesh, the life I now live in this flesh is that life that quickened Christ from the grave. If that same spirit, Romans says, that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken. That word means make alive your mortal bodies. Now, a lot of Christians make it easy on themselves by saying that verse is a seed in the ground. It doesn't pop up and spring forth and become fulfilled until you die and then you're physically resurrected. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall make alive your mortal bodies. But that Isn't what was demonstrated through the gospel or through the book of Acts because that life that raised Jesus from the dead was taking dead people and raising them up in the gospel and in the book of Acts. And people that were about to die or whose eyes had died, they call that blindness, whose limbs had died, they called it lameness, or were sick on bed, they call it cancers or whatever other kind of isms there are. Death reigns in the world, and it touches people's lives. And when it touches them, it doesn't matter whether they're righteous or not righteous. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. There is no preference. The curse of sin in the world touches everybody in different ways. But Christians who have been put to death their old life and received new life in Christ are scared to death of the specter of the old life. They're frightened of it. And the fact is, is that we fight a fight called the fight of what? The fight of faith. That means you and I have to stand for, learn the Word of God, keep ourselves filled with the Word of God, because as I'm going to share in a few minutes, that life is conducted through speaking the Word. That life is in the seed of the Word. And so as we as Christians feast on the Word of God like they did in the book of Acts, and we exercise faith towards our Savior Jesus Christ, that Word begins to come alive in us. His life is released, and guess what? Dead things come to life, and you don't have to wait until you are dead and fallen over and go to heaven. Praise the Lord. Listen, I want to say to you this morning, you are not a Christian because you believe the gospel. There are a lot of people that have marched up the aisle and have prayed a prayer and have been told by whoever prayed with them, you're now a Christian because why? You believe the gospel. Now, is believing the gospel necessary for being a child of God? Oh, absolutely. Because the gospel is the truth. Everything else is a lie. And so the truth is that Jesus is life. Jesus is Lord. Jesus died for our sins because we were sinners. And we are sinners and need to be delivered from that sin. So that is the truth of the gospel. But you're not a Christian because you believe the gospel. Let me tell you, you're a Christian because you're alive. When heaven looks at you, heaven doesn't look into your brain or into your heart to see what do they think about the gospel. Do they think it's right or do they think it's wrong? Hell will be filled with people that believe the gospel. Hell will be filled with people that believe Jesus is real, that believe the gospel is true. If they didn't when they first got there, they definitely will pretty quick. But the reality is that you are not a Christian because you believe the gospel. You're a Christian because you are alive. And you need to tell yourself that this morning. I am a Christian because life is in me. I am alive. Stand up in front of death and say, I am alive. You can't rebuke Satan and watch heaven's authority flow through your life because you say, I've got a Bible. I believe this and I quote that. You better be ready to be full of life and you better be ready to release that life. You better know you are alive because it is the knowing that you are alive and have access to the covenant of truth that brings authority when you speak the word of God. Hallelujah. Jesus wasn't Messiah because he was a man who was born, found scriptures, and ran around in life trying to fulfill them. He was Messiah because he was alive with God. He is God. He is eternal life. You received Jesus resurrected life. That's the life that saved you. That's the life that Jesus installed in you. And Jesus overcame the circumstances of this world with that life before passing it on to you. So he test drove it. And when Jesus passed on that life to you, he had already overcome the world with that life. So the life that saved you The life that made you born again, if you're a Christian, or if you're not saved, I I appeal to you to receive Jesus. What you're going to receive is the eternal life of God. That's not something that's going to wait for you when you die and go to heaven. Because you believe in Jesus. That's something He's going to give you right now. And that life has enough potency and enough power to deliver you from every addiction, to deliver you from every fear, to relieve every terror, to alleviate every insecurity, to pick you up where you haven't been able to stand and stand you, hallelujah, in His grace on your feet. And you don't ever have to fall again. That's the life that Jesus will give you when you receive him. So Jesus overcame all the circumstances of this world and uh, then rose from the dead, passed that life on to you. So when Jesus gave you his life, God installed in you an alternative to your circumstances. I want to tell you this morning, it, it, it grieves my heart that there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Christians who this morning are sitting in sanctuaries listening to their pastors or their teachers telling them what they can't have and what God won't do for them. But the fact is, is that Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. Jesus installed a life in you that is an alternative to your circumstances. Now listen to me carefully because there's going to be an altar call and I want you to be able to, with faith in your heart, participate and open your heart and come to Jesus this morning. But when you come, this is what you're coming to. Jesus installed in you, or if you haven't received it, He can install in you, can give to you a life that is an alternative to every circumstance that you're currently afraid of and every circumstance that is troubling your life. His life either is an alternative to every single symptom of sin and death or none of it's real. He's either all God. He's either all truth. He's either eternal life or He is fictitious, dead, just as dead as everyone else who claims they can help you and can't do a thing for you. You know, nobody really understood what the life of God was until Jesus demonstrated it. When we see Jesus in the gospel, we see the capacity of eternal life against sin and all of its symptoms. We see what can happen when life comes in contact with virus, with disease, with sickness, with unbelief, with fear. I love the encounter that the father of the epileptic boy that had a, had a demon that, that uh, bound him, when he, was, when he confronted Jesus and said, if you could do anything, help me. I love that confrontation because Jesus looked at him and said, well, if you believe, all things are possible to him, believes and kind of put the ball back in the man's court. And the man humbly um, was broken, and he was honest, and he cried. Imagine the pressure he was under, how many years he'd been living, however old his son was, with this disease, with this condition, with this oppression from the enemy. And And the man says to Jesus, he says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Oh, how many of us have said that. How many of us might be sitting here this morning? I do believe, help my unbelief, there is a struggle going on. Look at, Jesus didn't look at him and say, well, when you get there, text me. I'll come back, I'll come back by. We'll get your boy delivered, get him healed. Oh, not Jesus. See, Jesus' life is also full of mercy, full of grace, full of help. He has come to help. He's there to help you cross the finish line. He's He's there to help you. If it happens this fast, great. If it happens over a process, He's with you through the process. He's not going to forsake you just because it takes you a month to do what everyone else does in 10 minutes. God's patient. He's loving. He's kind. Hallelujah. But He's life. Just remember, the Lord is never going to settle for you settling for death. Any percentage of it on any level. All of us have symptoms of death in our life that we have agreed to live with we all have stuff from the world stuff that is under the curse stuff that Jesus died and put to death and rose from the dead over we all have it in our minds and our hearts and in our bodies to one degree or the other and if anyone says they don't they're lying it says in 1 John if we say we have no sin we are lying and so the truth is, is that we all have some of this. So there's no use looking around saying, I wish my wife were here to hear this. <laughs> because we all know what this is all about, right? I do believe, help my unbelief. But thank God we have Jesus. Thank God that the Lord didn't, on the, on the, the night that the angels filled the sky over Jerusalem, Thank God a a great big textbook or a scroll fell out of heaven with a million pages. Here, learn this. Here, believe this. This is all about me. Get this. This is my word. No, but Jesus was there. Somebody who grew up and we saw the the personality of God, the character of God, how he loved people, how he was so kind, how how he defended the weak, against the tyranny of, uh, of sin and of man. God is good. We sang it this morning. It's true. God is wonderfully good. Hallelujah. And so, thank God we have Jesus because we know what life looks like. We know what life sounds like. We know what life acts like. Bartimaeus is crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind and begging. His disciples are telling him, shut up, stop bothering. Can't you see there's a service going on? Bartimaeus keeps shouting out, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops the procession and says, bring that man to me. And here comes Bartimaeus running towards the voice, staggering probably towards the voice. Jesus, when he gets there, says, what can I do for you? Lord, I'd like to receive my sight. Consider it done. Done. That was life speaking to death. Are you listening to me? That was life speaking to death. That was life speaking to the symptoms of death. What do you have that Jesus is unwilling to speak life to? What do you think he's got that you have that he's not willing to speak life to? The Bible says He wants all to come to life, none to perish, all to come to life. And so I believe that God wants us to believe in His life and to receive it. woman with the issue of blood, she set the agenda for her healing, not Jesus. He didn't even, well, he probably knew in his spirit she was coming, but uh, he didn't call her out of the crowd. She came to Him, grabbed the hem of His garment. She set up that encounter, And she drew that healing power out of him because she said, he's got life in him and I'm going to get some of it. Hallelujah. Do you believe he's got life in him this morning? Step two, do you believe that you have that life in you? I believe you and I have that life in us. Can you say praise the Lord? Psalm 36 and verse 9 says, and listen, this is an amazing statement. The psalmist is speaking to God, and he says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. That sounds odd, doesn't it? In your light we see light. What he's saying is, when we see you, we understand what life is. We really didn't see what life is until we saw you. Jesus, when we look at you, We see light. We understand what light is. We understand what it means when it says God is love. Because Jesus, you manifest it. So you and I have life in us. And if I could just get to the point of this this morning, because this message has a point that I'd like us to act on. You and I need to speak from life one to another. We need to let the life in us talk to the life in one another. We need to speak to one another from the mountaintop of life in our life. We need to speak the words of life. We need to minister life one to another. We need to speak back and forth life. And let me give you an example of why that's so important. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, the Spirit is the one who gives life. Human nature is of no help. Oh, my God. We could take that scripture today and turn the world upside down. The spirit is the one who gives life. Human nature is of no help. The words, now listen, that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So Jesus said the spirit gives life. So my question would be, okay, how do I get the spirit to give me life? Jesus answers the question before you even get a chance to ask it. He says, the spirit is the one who gives life. The words that I have spoken to you, says Jesus, are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah. One translation says, where it says the words I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. One translation has it, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit giving and life giving producing. God has put a life in you that you can share with others. You can speak spirit-giving words and life-producing words. Let me say it again, because I don't know if you really heard it. You can speak spirit-giving words and life-producing words. You know that? Do you realize that's true? So how can I speak such words? Well, first of all, it's pretty easy. Jesus has already given them to you. Right. Say, well, do I just read these and say them? Well, what you want to do first is read them to yourself. And get them in your heart. Amen. And ask the Holy Spirit to make them real to you. And He will. It's called building faith. He installs faith in you because when you read those Gospels and you read in the book of Acts and you read these wonderful statements about the life that killed death, and about how that life is in you transforming you, it, while you're reading it, while you're believing it, it is transforming you. That life is in you. And when you hear someone say, or you read in the Scriptures, Jesus saying, the works that I do shall you do and greater, because I go to the Father. And you sit there and think, ooh, Jesus went to the Father. What's that mean? That means I can do what he did and greater. You tell a 10-year-old that, they believe it, they're going to go out and get their one-eyed friend healed. Hallelujah. Why is that going to happen? Because they have life in them. The life of the resurrected Savior is in them. Glory to God. So Jesus said, the life that I, the words that I speak to you are spirit, spirit imparting, and life, they are life producing. You and I have got the capacity to speak life producing words. You know, the Bible says we are filled by we are filled with the Spirit by speaking. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. We don't do enough of this. We were talking about this on Wednesday night. What if we made a pact among ourselves that we are going to start speaking to one another the words of life? If we create a culture of life within our church, Jesus as they like to say, will show up. He's not going to show up because we sing or play or have programs or do any of those other fine, wonderful things. He will show up, as they like to say, when the Holy Spirit is rising because the words of life are being lifted up and exalted. Jesus is attracted to faith. Attracted to the Spirit. So I'd like to see if I could get us to agree together make a little pact among ourselves it starts with you in your life in your home that you are going to create a culture of eternal life in your house in your life and in our fellowship that means when we come together instead of finding in common whatever complaints we can complain about did you see what was on the news this week Yes, yeah, so I'm here because I'm trying to forget what was on the news this week. Um, I, I'm here because I believe there's an answer yes, amen. to what was on the news this week. Oh, what is that? He's alive. And if you get into the stream of life, hallelujah, you can overcome all of that stuff. Glory to God. So wouldn't it be nice if we came together and just spoke to one another? Let the gift in me talk to the gift in you. The Bible, did you know that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, we shouldn't know one another any longer after the flesh? But as new creations, the scripture actually says we should create a culture of life. We should know one another according to the ministry or the gifts that God has put in us. The life of Jesus in each of us manifests in particular gifts. And you and I ought to get those things out and start talking about them and start announcing them and start sharing them and start declaring them and start, amen, glory to God. Speak to one another. Create a culture of eternal life by speaking words that are spirit giving and life producing. I want to close with this thought and we're going to pray. We need to get back to acknowledging the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of life that are in us. We need to get back to a life mentality. And I cannot, you know, the difference between conviction and judgment, my wife and I had a great conversation this week about it. I almost wished all of you could have been in on it because it was so edifying. But the difference between conviction and condemnation, um, conviction is when it happens in me condemnations when you try to make it happen in me. <laughs> There's a difference. It, it ha, it's a directional flow thing. So, um, I cannot convict you about how you should create a culture of life. That, that conviction has to come from within you. But I would, I, I would ask you to deal with yourself. I would ask you to deal with yourself. And deal with yourself in this particular manner. Challenge yourself. Where is fear hampering my walk? Where, on what level, and in what ways is fear and insecurity controlling the way I act, my personality, my behavior, and what I'm doing? Show it to me, Lord, so that I can attack it with life. Show it to me, Jesus, so that I can challenge it. Look, it may take you three days. It may take you three months to uproot that fear that you have allowed to grow and fester, and you hang ornaments on that dead tree of fear, and it's your buddy. It lives in your house, and it's part of you, and when people see you, they identify that fear that you embrace in your own life. Oh, here comes so-and-so. They're kind of backwards. Oh, here comes so and so. They're always afraid. Oh, here comes so and so. They're always, they're always, uh, they're an Eeyore. How many of you remember Eeyore? Not like Tigger. There's Tigger and then there's Eeyore. Here comes Eeyore schlepping into church. Oh, they're so faithful, but they're an Eeyore. Are you listening to me? No, if anyone tries to attack the Eeyore in you, what is it? It's condemnation. It gets you nowhere. But if you yourself say, I'm sick of this. This personality, this attribute is in my life because at the root of it, there's a fear, a lie from the devil that I have allowed, I have embraced it, and I've said to myself, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to be like this until I go. If you want to see signs and wonders and miracles, if you want to see the glory of God, if you really want to see the book of Acts, then you and I are going to have to get in the mirror with God and challenge ourselves and say, fear, come out, come out, wherever you are. Yeah. Ferret that bad boy out. Make it come out and confront it with the truth, with the life. Kill that symptom of death with the resurrected life of Jesus. That's all I've got to say. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. Praise God. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.